Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Well, there's a new report out that poses this question. Where are the jobs in New Haven and where are people being trained? We know there are jobs out there that need to be filled. We know there are people who need jobs. But what the new report looks at in depth is whether we're training people for the right jobs or how we can better make that fit. It's called Labor Market Study of Greater New Haven and the Valley. It was done by the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven. And we have three people here today right in the center of what we're talking about in this report. Yolanda Caldera-Durant is a, a vice president at the foundation who took the lead on this report. Marcia Lefemina, did I say that right? From Penn Globe. She's a lighting company and was the inspiration behind a new facility in Fairhaven that just got started that's making that match right as an example of where to go forward. And we have Ann Harrison from the Workforce Alliance, which is sort of the long-distance runner in this field of for decades and decades, every time we've talked about job training. I like that. I'm going to start using that catchphrase. <laughs> well, no, because I remember every time I've done a story since the 80s on what are we going to do to train people for jobs, the people who are really trying to figure that out and doing a lot of that work over the workforce line. So yeah. welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming. One thing I'm going to ask you, including Ann, is when you speak, get so close to that mic, you're almost touching us. So this 87 report you put out, Yolanda, congratulations. Thank you. Market, the labor market study about the gap between middle-skilled jobs for people without college degrees and how do we get them trained. Why do we care about middle-skilled jobs and salaries? Who are the people these jobs are designed for? What difference does it make in their lives and our lives? So, Paul, the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven partnered with Valley Community Foundation to uh, publish this labor market analysis for Greater New Haven. And the reason that we care about connecting uh, New Haven residents and, and Greater New Haven residents to middle-skilled jobs is because these are good quality jobs that pay living wages. And we had a very specific focus on uh, the economic growth sectors of manufacturing, healthcare bioscience and technology because these fields have many middle skill jobs that do not require a college education and uh, the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven cares about connecting individuals to these middle skill jobs because of our focus on helping to support um, building a more inclusive economy in Greater New Haven and also in making sure that people have the opportunity to achieve economic security and success. Right, so our society works better if new jobs that are coming to New Haven can be filled by all sorts of people so everyone could feed their families at a decent wage and our communities are stronger that way. Exactly. And obviously we've had a, a Eds and Meds revolution in New Haven in the old days. We all like to talk about when the Workforce Alliance was first doing this work, right? <laughs> we still had a lot of older school factories, not the precision manufacturing, not the biotech. And, and you didn't go to college for that and you earned really good wage because they were unionized. And those jobs are gone for the most part, except for a few robots and a few people pushing buttons of robots and sergeants as abloy. But all sorts of new jobs are in, and we want to kind of make that connection. So what did you find out in the study? You did 40 listening sessions and interviews. You did some market analysis. And what did you find out about what jobs are there and what are people being trained for? So we learned about um, uh, jobs that are in the healthcare field, also in manufacturing and bioscience that are available that are paying $25 or higher, but we also learned that job seekers are not fully aware of these opportunities. Um, and for those job seekers that are pursuing 
employment, we learned about their challenges in, in securing employment, in going through the job process, and also in the barriers that they faced in order to get into these jobs. And those barriers range from not being aware of these opportunities um, and also not being aware of the, um, of the programs, for example, um, there are programs that the state of Connecticut runs um, and job search sites that allow them to connect to these jobs, learn about training opportunities so they could actually get into these jobs, but they're not aware. So that, that was something that um, is a challenge, um, but is something that, you know, with the right partnership, with the right attention, is something that can be overcome so that people can effectively connect with these jobs. Um, so there are also... Um, opportunities in um, the fields of manufacturing, healthcare, and bioscience that will allow people to enter the fields, um, these specific fields, and will be connected to a career pathway so that they can actually progress over time. And it's the idea in most cases, you don't need to go to college, but you do need to spend, what is it, like four weeks or four months just getting the training so you could be helping out in a research lab so that you could be a, a certified nurse assistant, or what, what are we talking about, you think, Ann? Right. I think it's it's awareness of the jobs, the companies who are hiring, Can ask you closer, the you. opportunities, um, but it's also aware of what do you need to, what skills do you need to fulfill those jobs. And I think there's an awareness there. Um, and there's some things that we as a workforce system uh, can do better. And so we appreciate the insights from this report. Um, so and tell me about something because you've been around you know your organization's been around a long time they yes. kind of like are often the people telling people write reports what's going on so and specifically what's something when you read this report that made you say this is something we could do better yeah i think it uh one of the insights was we're always trying to figure out how to reach people better right there's um and not just to make them aware but to actually engage them and get them to the point where they um, engage with us and either into come in to get services for direct employment or into training services, right? So there's always a gap between when you engage someone and when they actually enroll with you. Um, and sometimes that's just life getting in the way. Sometimes it's understanding what those steps are. Um, we, so this is helpful for us. It kind of reinforces a never ending cycle of <laughs> the challenges in that in that space and any, that's specifics, life any sometimes. specifics you saw in there that either something like you saw a story of a person mm -hmm. or a specific program that was there or some new insight into how you might reach someone or keep them engaged so i think it was really interesting specifically in yolanda you can talk about this more is that even if they're not uh, it's still this shouldn't be surprising, but it's still um, who you know and, you know, how you hear about jobs and how you trust what you hear about jobs is all about, you know, from your personal network. It's all it's all word mm -hmm. of mouth. Right. So, you know, getting, you know, building that trust and building that awareness. We always knew that it really reinforced that for us, uh, Paul. Um, but the other thing, too, is that, but does that we mean, learned... for instance, like, you know, I'm sure you're all over the Web. I'm sure you do social media. Exactly. I'm sure you I'm sure you've put flyers in places when people go to stop and shop mm -hmm. or whatever. But are you saying that it still comes down to somebody most often hears from someone they trust that this is how you get into the work? Sure. You know, somebody who's gone through a program and gotten a job and that's what you're going to do. You're going to follow that person. Right. Um, or you hear about it through a trusted source. 
you know, when you're in school, it might be your guidance counselors. When you're not engaged in school, it might be your faith-based community. It might be a community action agency. It might be another um, program that you're working with. So it's all about sustaining, not building, because we have those relationships, but it was interesting to reinforce that. The other thing that was interesting to me when I read this was that folks are looking on not just social media, but indeed, or not just jobs, but that's where they think they should go to learn about training, right? That's right, Ann. So I think that was really I'm sorry, not 100% fig file that. So you're saying social media is where they do go to find out about training, or you thought that's where they go? Well, social, no, we know they look on social media, but we did, I didn't realize is that they were going on Indeed, which is a job search site. That's where they think to go to look for job training, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. So not just job postings, but job training programs. So, so as a result of that, when you learn that in the study, you'll now. So I think Go that's on one example of, you know, a, a very specific insight that we gained from this report that we can actually put into put into action. And what is it? Are you now listing on Indeed? So now we can look at uh, now that we understand that 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 connection is in people's minds that, yes, how can we be in that space so that people are finding the opportunities that they're looking for? Excellent. We're talking about where the jobs are. How you get trained for them and how you put those together for the good jobs of the present and future here on Dateline New Haven with Yolanda Caldera-Durant from the Community Foundation for Greater New Haven, which has completed an 87-page report on the market study and how to connect people to the right training. Marshall Lefamina from Mass Manufacturing Training Facility in Fairhaven, which is just starting up to do it right. And Ann Harrison from the long-distance runners of the job training and development world, Workforce Alliance, about what she's learning anew. From the work. There's so, always something new, right. And so when you hear that, Yolanda, what is what comes to your mind about the insights, not generally, but specific? I love the Indeed example. Mm. What's something specifically you heard or learned you didn't know before in this research? So uh, another, I think, uh, relevant finding had to do with the importance of of social networks for, for job and seekers. And you don't mean like online, you mean no, people. No, I mean humans. I mean mm. people that are in the sectors and the careers and the jobs that job seekers want and they're looking for help with that like really specific concrete help and it's it's not something that is intuitive for people it's something that we learn and you know when you're interested in a job field you know you do informational interviews for example that's not necessarily something that job seekers will know um, especially if they don't see others doing it so that was a specific insight. So what did you, who, can you tell me how you got that insight? Can you tell me a story about somebody who said something that hit that home? Yeah, so we had listening sessions with um, job seekers um, from a variety of different populations of job seekers that included uh, women, people of color, uh, returning citizens, or people who were reentering from prison back into the community. Opportunity youth, these are young people ages 16 to 24, that are looking to connect to education and employment um, and also immigrants and refugees. And this was actually like a theme that we heard across multiple um, listening sessions. So it's not a specific person, but what when I, we see this kind of uh, data come out of a report where it's being talked about from multiple different and the, and the way populations. we distill that theme, the theme was yep. It's not just going online or flyers that That's people right. often find the right slots for them by knowing someone in the flesh they see 
who have been in that position. Exactly. That's right. Yep. So how do you do that? You know, often when I think about this, over the years of the Workforce Alliance, when I think about people take initiative, like what uh, Marsh is doing and when the foundation does reports, it's always so tricky when we get these overall general ideas that we kind of know. Like the report also, when I read it, I saw all the stuff that we all know about the barriers, about child care, racial barriers, transportation. That's real. We've always talked about it. How do you... How do you see it in a way that you feel that tomorrow I can therefore take this information and get people into a job or the right training track? Yeah, so I think um, what this um, report um, does for, for this issue is it creates an opportunity to deepen and strengthen partnerships to help correct those challenges. And these are systemic issues, Paul. Like These are systemic issues, and these things have been going on for many years and if we want to disrupt the system like we have to do things differently and that's what we're hoping we can help um to catalyze with the findings of this report so some things to do differently for instance the transportation is about we've just spent 10 years changing our bus schedules are we okay there now can you go to right eight at 11 p.m to do an overnight job or what are you finding yeah i think I think the point you're you're making, you know, is what is what is immediate and short term, and what is long term, and how do you take this information right and use it? So, I I think this report, while it had a lot of great new insights, it also reinforced that we're on the right track with several things. So, two things as an example: one is the concept of paid training, so mm. earning a stipend while you're in training. Um, we under and we actually started to implement that. Um, uh, going into COVID, because um, this is a post-COVID report, um, but you know we knew people, especially people who are you know in a in a process where they're unemployed or they've exhausted their benefits or they're switching careers, they need to have an income coming in during that time, and we can't expect them to commit to even a five-week training program without an income, right? So um, we started that uh, uh, stipend. This, um, using stipends for a program that we launched um, in 2018, which was Skill Up for Manufacturing. It's one of the examples in the in the program. It's five-week training with a paid stipend. Not a huge stipend, but just something. Um, so that's a huge thing that we're going to continue, and this report reinforces that. The other thing is also the concept of support services, right? And this report talks about the need to. We do a great job of that while people are in training. You'll hear that referred to as wraparound services and that's if you get help. closer to the mic and that's are you talking here about the, the report what i saw about the follow-up about once they're in even when they get in the job not just exactly. the training you got to keep they in touch it. with them you yeah know? The, you have to keep doing it probably for up to a year of those services so that you know again we we know the importance and the impact of support services wraparound services whatever you want to call it so this report really reinforces and that. does that mean like making sure you got shocker making sure that you get your uh ct transit card that kind of stuff all of, all of that right all this it, and just connect staying connected with those folks and seeing what it is that they need all right and so when going back to yolanda the insight similar you were talking about how important it's not just online social networks but human social networks what do you what do you recommend doing with that information that's not being done now in terms of disrupting system how we take that insight about the individual you need to meet who's been there who lets you know how to tap in and do it how we concretely move on that. Yeah, so one of the concrete ways to do that, and it's, it's actually a recommendation in the report um, about stronger uh, relationships and partnerships between employers and workforce training programs. So that is one critical piece of 
helping to introduce job seekers to a specific occupation, a specific field, um, and a sector so that they understand what's really involved. And does that mean, how does that fit into the insight about knowing a person? Does that mean the employer can go to um, Ann or go to um, Marcia and say, it might be worth it if I send over Joe or Elaine who's working here right now at taking as a phlebotomist or as a, um, or as a, a lab tech so they can meet the person? Is that what you mean? Or? What I mean is that um, for people that are looking to get into specific jobs, when there are strong partnerships between employers and workforce training providers, they can actually see what those jobs are. And, and I'm talking about from the perspective of a person that's entering and going through a job training program so that they know, is, is this the right match for me? Is this what I want? And is this something? And is there a job for me at exactly. the end of So in this? other words, yeah. while they're in the program, it's important to keep them there, keep them focused to see the employer who's yes. the actual job. So is that like physically going there or having someone from the employer physically going there? It could be, right. And Marsha can speak to this too. Marsha, as an employer herself um, with Penglobe, which is a manufacturing company, um, has made it a goal of hers to come and visit classrooms and talk to students while they're going through so that they they see and hear exactly from an employer. And then um, Marsha has done mock interviews and then real interviews at the end. So, you know, that sets an example that other employers, and not just in manufacturing, but in other fields can follow, is you can't just expect, you know, fully baked candidates to come roll out of training programs. You know, it starts while they're in training and continues after on the job. And I think that this report speaks a lot to the need to continue to develop employer employees even once you hire them. Um, and to also, it, it has to come from you and be transparent what the what the advancement opportunities are, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people start entry level, um, and a lot of these jobs have great entry level wages. Um, but most people, I know I'm always interested in, where do I go from here? So I, I think the more employers can help answer that question, the more helpful. We're talking about where the jobs are, where they're being trained for, how to get them together. So Marcella from Menina, you have two roles here, right? I you, do. You ran a manufacturing, you still do a, a lighting company called Pen Globe. Right. When and where is that? We're in North Brantford. How long have you been there? 1995. Whoa. Long time. And what do you make there? Make outdoor street lights primarily mm -hmm. um, for, um, at the you know, municipal level, um, colleges, universities, theme parks. Hotels. That must have been an interesting field given all the changes in technology, the sign of, you know, not LCDs, what do they call them? The, LEDs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> What's LEDs. an LCD? That's like yeah. your cholesterol, yeah, right? right? Okay. I, I don't know. It could <laughs> be. I think that's something to do with your cholesterol. Yeah, it's either good or bad cholesterol. Yeah, well, so in other words, lighting has changed a lot since 95, right? Well, and this is the oldest lighting company in the country. And so the real name of the company is the Pennsylvania Globe Gaslight Company. But, you know, we didn't think that was <laughs> too true. forward. In New Haven, right? I always hear the old folks about lighting the gaslights yeah. in the 40s. So yeah. we still make gaslights and we do make LEDs. Mm. So we do it all. So you have that manufacturing. How many people do you employ? Um, I think we're down to like... 12 people. Um, we're pretty much a fine-tuned organization right now. And now you've started a new training program. What got you to, to add that to your plate? Why did you start a new training program? Um, I was fortunate enough to have enough um, hands-on experience um, doing a lot of different things to Anne's point, mm -hmm. talking to classes, going into the Whaley Avenue prison system and trying to help the guys That's down right, there. That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, wow. Trying to help mm -hmm. the guys down there and, and learning and just doing a ton of listening, sitting on manufacturing boards, and I sit on the workforce board. Yeah, at, she's at on the, our the board, board of directors. Alliance. Mm -hmm. um, and I just 
not a very um, I'm not a specialist in anything, but I know a little bit about a lot of things. But it sounds like you're a specialist in how it really works. You run a company. Yeah. And it, am mm-hmm. I right that what you were doing was that you wanted to make sure you still had people you could hire? There is that. There is that. But it's also using them. I looked around at our people and saw that no one there had a college degree. And, you know, this year, I think all but two people in the company own a house. So I think we're doing something that sounds mm-hmm. right. So if you can get the little closer to the mic, yeah, move it just, towards you. So what, what led you to formally start this new program called Match? Because um, I thought the time was right to take all the good intention that was in the city of New Haven in its surrounding areas and harness it and try and bring everybody to bring what they do best. And I was in a position to be able to know uh, a little bit about who knew what, what to do. That led me to the foundation and to the city of New Haven workforce alliance and everyone was willing to say um i'll bring what what i do right we're willing to invest and so Mm -hmm. this is how it's all you know generated but the key idea was and what makes it a little a lot different than the skill up um um, program which i helped launch just so you know so there's no competition it was what we you know we went for it and we got it but again what did you learn from that this these folks don't get to learn on the equipment that's going to get them those jobs you know, it's, it's, it's one way in, but we could do a little bit better if manufacturers were teaching manufacturing with real equipment for people to work on. So, so what kind of, how many people are at match? They, they're paid and minimum they're paid. wage. And they're paid again. They're paid. Yeah. So they're, you have a paid, how long is the training program? Um, it depends because we're, in, we introduced, and I will not call it part-time, we're going to call it alternate work schedule of a 25-hour work week to try to, and successfully, I know we can do it, bring women into the workforce. Um, so you're focused on women? I wouldn't say we're focused on women. We're focused on jobs, but it's hard not to see the women that are sitting there um, who may have never worked, but if they could put their child on a bus at 9 o'clock and be back at 2 o'clock when the bus returns oh. home, they mm-hmm. have a quality of life, and they have, they're in t- there to do the you know, the doctor's appointments, make the dinner, do the homework, not be at Dunkin' Donuts. So part of what Matt is doing is training women for jobs that could be 25 hours a week. You better believe it. So exactly. Match is a facility that's training how many people to do what? Well, right now, I mean, we have 50 people waiting to come on board as we wait for funding to be released, which is really uncomfortable, to be honest with yeah. you. Hopefully that will lessen. But we will, our goal is there is no testing goal is to get people knocking on the door come in the door to allow Yolanda's point to the reports point what Anna is saying let us have a week or two to see if this is for you uh, I I say and we all agree you can't know you want to be a CNC operator if you've never seen a CNC machine mm-hmm. so I met Marcia just stepping back for a second just the basic this is a facility that's going to train people for jobs Correct. what kind of jobs um, everything from light duty manufacturing, which there's quite a bit of work out there to, um, ultimately to precision CNC machine equipment. What's CNC? Um, what's it stand for? I, I should know com- this. Com- computer uh, numerical. In other words, that it's machine mm-hmm. operators. Correct. It's machine operators. Correct. And which, um, our RSP has recently done a survey, our regional sector partnership, which information from them is inclusive in this report as well, um, has, has put out that that is the number one job. That needs to be filled in machine New operator new haven county that's broad so we can handle and that's, that's not broad. just at penglobe that's no that's to multiple employers and so just you're area. ramping up you're just getting going on, on mill street and that you're you're training people to work on uh, light manufacturing machine operator jobs and welding 
and welding and inflexibly so that it's going to include a pathway for women who are taking care of kids to work nine to two and still take care of the kids. Correct. Well, so uh, before we wrap up, Yolanda, how many people, how many jobs and how many people are we talking about? How many jobs out there do we need to fill and how many people do we need to connect to them? So uh, statewide, we're talking about over 86,000 jobs broadly. Are going begging. Yeah, exactly. They're, wow. they're open. They're not filled. And what we want to encourage employers to do is to be more hands-on and proactive in partnering with workforce training programs to prepare people to take on those jobs. Mm-hmm. With, with p- training. And how many people training. need that work? Right. Well, you know, at, through Workforce Alliance, we serve, you know, last year we served 13,000 plus people. So there's there's plenty of people coming through um, and there's and just this week there were more than 5,000 um, help wanted ads posted brand new. So there's definitely there's plenty of people out there. out there and plenty of work. Exactly. Wow. And then finally, uh, can you tell people how to contact you folks to get more involved or learn more, either as someone looking for work or someone as an employer? What, what do you want them to do? Sure. So for us, um, it's workforcealliance.biz is our website. And we are going to be reopening in January at a brand new location at 370 James Street, a brand new American Job Center. So come are you see moving us in from, January. from Boulevard? We are moving from the Boulevard. We're reopening in January. All right. And yeah. for people that want to access the Greater New Haven Regional Neighbor Market Analysis, please go to CFGNH. Org, and that stands for Community Foundation for Greater New Haven. I always know the four. The F is always the tricky one. And also, we're going to do a little article on this. And we'll put the link to the actual report. Thank you, Paul. And then, Marcia, what do you want people to know? We're at matchct.org, and you can call us at um, 475-33-MATCH. 33-MATCH. Well, it was such a joy to hear you folks. I think you're onto some some great insights and some great work. Thank you, Paul. What a a great way to get New Haven a stronger place than to match people to all these jobs that are open. I wish you luck. Thanks for doing the report. And thanks for sharing with us. Thanks for talking about this. All right. And we're going to take a break now before we come back with Chris George and the person who's going to replace him at New Haven's Immigrant and Refugee Settlement uh, Program, IRIS. So in the break, we're going to listen to I Wish I Knew How I Feel to Be Free from the Afro-Semitic Experience from their CD, A Plea for Peace. So hold tight for 10 minutes, and we'll be back at you at WNHH 103.5 FM.